What is going on, Irregulars? Welcome back on another Thursday. It's your boy, Bobby. Caitlin. <laughs> I never know what to say. Um, Hey, guys, what's up? We're back. Yes, we're back. I was really pumped to say that. I just feel like because we don't do them weekly anymore, I, I like don't get to say that as much. And like, yeah. yeah, and people make fun of me for it. So it's just, you know, your friends aren't your friends unless they're making fun of you. And I just, on a monthly basis now, give them a reason <laughs> to do it. So how are you? I'm here. I'm a little hungover. Surprise, surprise. No. Um, I feel like, okay, so we record on Mondays now, and Mondays are kind of like my Saturday, my Sunday, I guess, because I have off every Monday, and I have off every Sunday night, so it's like I, I do a lot of my drinking on Sundays. So So then wouldn't that, it would be your Saturday. I don't know. It's basically my hangover day is my point. Okay. <laughs> it's supposed to be like my productive day, but... Alas, we got out of bed at 5 p.m. today. So she, oh my god, she goes, yeah, we got to do this. You know, we're gonna record, and then afterwards, I'm gonna go here, but I'm not gonna drink though. And I literally like replied to her comment, and I just said, doubt that. I really don't think I'm going to. I'm gonna try and give up drinking for a little bit. I said that last week too, and I I didn't. But um, I actually went back to the gym last week, and I've been like, I have food in my fridge. Which oh, hasn't nice. happened in like three months. It's not like ice on a plate. No, I literally had sour cream and like five different kinds of beers in my fridge up until last week. So. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah, we're trying to get back in the wagon, but um. And you don't even really drink beer. What the hell's wrong with you? Well, I have people over a lot. Um. Because like we just like I work and then we get done later and then everybody just gets beer to go and goes to my house and hangs out and there's like I, I shit you not probably like five different kinds of beer in my fridge. Oh. And like a hundred white claws. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the one you found in your purse earlier. That was a high noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sat down to record. <laughs> we have a guest here with us, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I'm like pulling out my purse. I'm like, oh, I, need, I have a headache. And I'm looking for Advil. And I, I just reach in. I'm like, the, there's a high noon in my purse, too, <laughs> that I didn't know about. So. Oh, my God. Could you imagine like going to the airport or something like that? Yes, and you're just I like, could. Oh, fuck. Yes, I have accidentally carried things across borders that were not alcohol oh my god and i'll leave it at that oh jesus (laughs) it happens when you're in college you know whatever (laughs) here we go um but yeah otherwise um i'm pretty good life is you know ebbing and flowing um i did not get the job that i interviewed for oh so i will say that was my first rejection in my career ever i have never interviewed for a job and not gotten it before so that was uh humbling I had that happen to me once. I remember. Do you know why you didn't get it? Like, do you like look back on your interview and go like, oh, that's 100% why. It's like they didn't like me or anything. Um, I have some theories, but I also I don't know if I said this last time around or not, but I'm on about six months of a break from my career. And I will say just like the way I speak in general, the way I communicate is very different right now than it was six months ago. And I was in the office every single day working mm-hmm. in that field. Um, I'm not as polished. I'm not as like the words, the buzzwords don't come to me as quickly. I, I just, I'm a bartender. So I say fuck a lot normally now and I <laughs> yeah. c- couldn't say it th- in an interview. So I, I realized I need to like really brush up on, on that kind of stuff. So I have a game plan and I like sat down last week and I really got some shit in order. And I actually have been thinking about maybe taking this time while I'm not working. Cause I really do have a lot of free time during the day, but it's not free time that I like to expend a lot of energy because I'm on my feet for 10 hours usually at night mm-hmm. so I'm like okay well how can I still be productive and like still help myself without wiping myself out and I was thinking maybe I might look into like some kind of like class whether it's like an online class just something to like keep my brain working and like get myself mm-hmm. back in that groove otherwise I mean I just I, I don't feel 
I don't know. I need to like switch up my head somehow. I'm not really sure how yet. So yeah. we'll see. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, I also have a PSA to all women. I just learned this like um, uh, two months ago. I'm wearing them right now. I bought a w- pair of white Air Force Ones and they're the coolest shoe for girls ever. They're versatile. You can wear them with dresses, jeans, <laughs> sweatpants, leggings, and they look really good with everything. So if you don't have a pair, make sure you grab one this spring, ladies. Guys can't wear them? Yeah, they can. But oh. I feel like, I don't know, it's like it's a, a shoe that I slept on. All my friends had them and I never bought them and I don't know why. And I'm going to wear them every day now, basically. I, I, I wear them every day now. So yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Shout out. Now we're giving fashion tips out. Jesus, yeah. what you has know, happened? We're a versatile podcast, baby. <laughs> um, okay, but the one thing I want to round out on is a, a conversation. I want your opinion on this, actually. Okay. Um, I, I briefed him on this a little bit before we started, but I didn't tell him what it was about. So Yeah, I'm nervous. Well, it's actually just me bitching and complaining, and I, it, it's going to sound annoying. So just brace yourself. It's okay. It's like a, it's like hot girl problems, but like I just need to know your opinion. Okay. Um, so I am a bartender, and a lot of my job is like being nice to people, and like you know I am I I have been told I have a flirty personality, which I'm interested. I just want an opinion on it. All of this. This is a couple folded question here okay so i guess i i always feel more recently than than i don't in a while um i just get like i can't have a normal conversation with a dude for the most part um and not any dude but like i would say out of every 10 men that i speak to at my job this will happen with at least four or five of them I can't be nice to them, ask them how their day is, like ask them what their name is, ask anything personal about them at all or act engaged or interested or nice in any way without them asking me out afterwards. And it's like, uh, so I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of torn as like, okay, I get part of my job is doing that and that's going to happen and I get that. But even in just my regular life, I live in an apartment building and there's a, I don't know, you know, the guy that sits outside my door. Yeah. (laughs) Like, missing a tooth. Yeah. Like, has a limp. Yeah. Like, in his 50s. Great guy. Huge bush. Asked me out last week. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? Like, in what fucking world? I'm sorry. But, like, <laughs> am I giving off vibes that I'm interested? Like, I don't. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, am I just, like, this delusional idiot that's walking around, like, basically telling every man, like, hey, you have a chance. Like, and then they asked me out. And I'm like, oh, my God. Why did they ask me out? Like, am I dumb as shit? I don't know. So I was talking to someone about it last week, and, like, it's interesting to see when you talk to other girls about it, some girls are like, well, you know, like, you, you just can't really engage with people as much. Like, you just, you're too nice to people, and you just say hi too much, and you ask too much information. And I'm like, so I have to be a cunt? Like, I don't get it. Like, what, where, why do I have to change who I am because men can't pick up on signs? And then one of my bar regulars was talking to me about it, and... He's like, well, you know, if you think about it, that kind of makes sense why hot girls are, some hot girls are just fucking bitches. Because, like, what are your alternatives? You're either a bitch or or everyone's up your asshole 24-7 and thinks you want to date them. I'm like, well, that's that's pretty much, that's that's it. Those are your options. Yeah. So what's your question? What the fuck do I do? <laughs> um, do I keep being nice to people? Is it wrong of me to be nice to people? Like, how do you? <laughs> what help. do you want? What's your goal? You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like but, I like who I am. Then don't change it. But it's annoying as hell that I have, like, people that, I, I guess I just feel like I never know whether 
and this is, I'm so sorry, this is going to sound so much like, oh my God, it's so hard being an attractive girl. But like, I never know whether people actually, and by people I mean men typically, actually like talking to me and like really give a shit what I have to say or if they just think that I'm going to have sex with them and that's why they talk to me at all in general. Yeah. I mean, we've been through the whole no wooden want thing yeah. a billion times. Um, Re- I don't know. Reiterate that theory for Okay. Listeners. Yeah, for listeners, there's uh, no, I would not have sex with you. Yes, I would have, or I would have sex with you and I want to. And there's girls who are, um, or let me say there's uh, partners that are, you know, plenty of, uh, there's plenty of woods out there and not a lot of wants. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, oh, you I can be one without being the other. You know I, what I, I mean? I don't want to fuck. I don't want it, but I would. But I would. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. I think, uh, I think it's kind of it kind of goes both ways in the sense of, you know, the interactions a little different because I think women now have so many options as well as men do, and the way that we express trying to cast our net as to find what options are available is just different than the same net that girls do it. You know what I mean? Because you have now like you're on Bumble. If a girl has her Instagram profile in in her um, little bio thing or whatever, she's out looking for followers. She's out casting her net. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's annoying to me. Yeah. It's not as like direct as like what these yeah. men are doing with you, but that's like their way of casting their net. And also, what do you think the appropriate way to turn someone down is? Just say no thank you. But what if it's someone that I talk like if it's the guy at my door like what do i say to the guy that sits outside my door and smokes cigarettes every single day i pass him in the hallway every day <laughs> no yeah say no thanks nothing's changed from last week he's but the, with the question the way they word it is when are you gonna let me take you out and i usually just go ah, you're so funny and, I and that's away. that's where i think you just need to make an adjustment just be like mr cigarette <laughs> toothless smoker it's never gonna happen that's so mean though i'd rather know I'd rather know than be like, oh man, dude, well, I, this, this week she laughed three times, not and <laughs> last week it was two, you know. Well, what I've started saying is, oh, I'm not dating right now because I'm not. But then they're like, well, it's not a date. We just want to go out with friends, like, bro. Like, I just rejected you nicely. Like, why do you have to make nah. me do it again? You have to be direct. You just have to be direct and, and say what. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, just be like, nah, not gonna happen. Or I guess I guess I could just say, uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Is I was just is be that like too. Open ended though? Yeah, because you're like, I don't think so. I would just be like, no, it's not going to happen. That's so mean though. I don't know. I, I don't think I can do that. Whatever. All right. Can anyone please DM me and let me know how to do this nicely? <laughs> I don't I think there's a nice way to do it. I don't know what to do and I don't want to be a bitch, but I also like, I, and let me tell you, these are not like, <laughs> these are not grade A suitors. It's not like everyone's falling at my feet. I'm like, wow, I really have my pick. No, this is like multiple toothless men. Like, not, not the dating pool I'm looking for. But I don't want to be a bitch. Yeah. And to be fair, I'm a bartender. I bartend almost every day of the week. So, like, I have a lot more interactions with said toothless men than your average person. But, <laughs> I love yeah. that for you. Do you? Thank you. Only somebody does. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what's going on in my life. Air Forces and toothless men. I love it. How about you? How have you been? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I uh, Like I said, kind of like before we hopped on here, I feel like I talk about work a lot, but I just, I really fucking love my job. That's awesome. I really do. It, I'm having so much fun. I'm learning. I love my team that I work with. Um, and like I said, or like you mentioned, we'll get into you know who our guest is, who is one of my team members, actually. Um, but uh, no, nah, it's just, it's so much fun. And 
I'm getting to know more people outside of just like the sales team, my in, internal team, then the sales team, and then outside of that. So it's really cool, like just building the. You know me, I love meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Like that's like because you don't have enough friends. Yeah, you need more. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I guess very sarcastic. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Nobody likes me. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, no. So I'm just having fun there. Um, I did uh sell my car. It is official. Um, Pause for the gas. Yeah, everyone. Uh, everyone was pretty upset about that, but I listed it for sale and it sold within 24 hours. So. I didn't even know you could sell cars that way. First of all. What, just on Facebook? In general. Well, I've never sold a car because I always crash them. So <laughs> Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Who was that? We were talking about something last week about letting you drive a car. Yeah, about like a, a potential job like that I would have to like oh, dri- know yeah. about cars. And I was like, as long as they don't let me drive them, we're good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, we don't, we don't need you driving. But yeah. yeah, besides that, you know, I got um I got Vegas coming up Memorial Day weekend for a bachelor party. So hopefully I um survive that Who, it, which group is that i can't really say on air because he would get mad if i said his name but yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah so it's gonna be a bunch of degenerates out mm, there i'm gonna it's gonna be good <laughs> i'm probably just gonna take the dad approach and just let the degenerates do degenerate things someone has to be a stay dad back there. and takes you know take sips and just watch and if they need to get saved, I'll I'll be there. I'm saving actually grace. afraid for you. <laughs> well, not for you, for them. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a rough one, but wow. it'll be fun. Great, can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, man. Have you ever been to Vegas before? Yeah, uh, I finished chemo five days before. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was super sick. I looked like a plucked chicken. I had no uh, no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no beard. It's nothing. a great place to go, and you're feeling like shit about yourself. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh my god, I felt not only terrible about my. Not only did I feel like I was like the ugliest person on the planet. Um, but I also just finished chemo five days beforehand. So I wasn't really feeling internally. The, Why did you go? Um, uh, Mike's wedding. Oh, okay. Okay. okay yeah. It was a groomsman right. his wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that and I got, I had five beers the one night and was shit faced. That's awesome. Like black. And, and I'm not saying like beers, like good, like, Five Bud Light bottles. Nice. And I was, it still cost me $93, but you know. Sure did. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I was shit faced and it was, um, yeah, it was a good time, but I was hungover for, th- for three days after five beers. So, wow. was, yeah, it was, well, my body was all beat up. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, it was a good time, but I'm excited to go back in full force. God help you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess we can let you introduce the guest this week since. This one's from your turf, so take it away. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned before, um, our guest is actually one of my teammates. Um, work currently works with me. I had met him, shit, six years ago now. So, yeah, six, seven, something like that. I stopped counting. Um, and we just stayed in touch, and he's actually the reason why I got this job um, that I absolutely love. And, you know, him and I just, um, I don't really know what to say, man. We just hit it off, and... He's kind of like a big brother to me, um, and we ha- we come from two totally different walks of life, and it's cool just bouncing perspective off of each other. Um, I, I just, he's an interesting person to talk to um, and brings a lot of value to the people that he chooses to surround himself with, and um, he just – best way to describe him, he's just someone who just gives a shit, you know what I mean? Which it's is always important. Yeah, it's, so he's just someone who cares. Um, is, and I was always going to like look out for other people. 
So without further ado, um, I would like to introduce Alex Compton. How are you doing, Alex? Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome uh, aboard. This is cool to be here. Um, that's all I have to say. Um, it was well, interesting what you just talked about your situation at work and. Any feedback? I was gonna. I was actually know? hoping you were gonna ask. Um, <laughs> Before we get into anything else, I want to know what do you think. So, like, I'll be the first person to tell you, like, dudes are creepy. Um, yes, correct. And you also have to think about the environment that you're in. You're in a bar, and if you have a regular, they're there pretty often, and you might be like the only female interaction that's positive for them. So they might see that in you, and they just they're gonna take the shot. Um, I've had this conversation with my wife. And she said, like, she regulates who she talks to and how nice she is because it always ends up that way, too. Where the guy is, like, either catcalling or, like, hey, why don't we go out? Um, so, sorry, I hit the table. Oh, well. <laughs> Louis told me not to do that. But, um, <laughs> it's my hands. But, um, no, but, yeah, I think that's – I think there's a way for you to say just, like, no thank you. You don't have to be, like, that blunt about it. You should be, like, you know, I'm just working on myself right now. Just give them some, like, bullshit excuse for you not to go out with them. But also as a woman, you have to be careful because if you're too forceful, there's dudes out there who like will take that to another level. So you have to kind of consider your safety too. So I'm fucked is what I'm hearing either way. No, I think <laughs> no, I think kidding. you could, no, I really think you could set the boundary and just be like, look, I'm just trying to focus on myself right now. And, you know, I don't, or you can even just say like, I don't date my customers. I yeah. actually have started saying that one. Yeah, just say that. Which is a lie because my last boyfriend was a customer. And well, they don't have that, to know so. that. <laughs> I mean, they don't have to know that. They then, do, though. Everyone does. Small part. Okay, well. <laughs> well, you said X, so that's why you don't date customers okay, anymore. So okay, there good you go. idea. Good idea. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Like, you know how, like, I'm, like, still in work mode. The first thing I thought of, I was like, you should probably make a spreadsheet of ex- of excuses. <laughs> and then just, like, pull up on your phone. Like, just have Google Sheets, like, ready to go. And be like, okay, this is the one I'm going to use today. Um, no, I am working with my for myself um um can't do this there's a horse outside bye and then just make up some honestly shit. it's just... not a bad idea i could have like different scenarios and have a different response for every scenario exactly if you i'm make outside a f- of my building this is what i say if i'm at work this is what i say if i'm at the bar this is what i say flow chart i like this or you just do what we do at work we just say we're going to have customer support deal with that and walk away <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's also that's true. also a good one yeah. I'll, let me contact hr I'll get back yeah to exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well anyway um less about me more about you alex tell us about yourself um well one of the reasons i'm here is i've known bobby for way too long um yeah and i do have to say and i said this to somebody else i'm really proud of you man thank you um i've seen that. the growth that you've had over the past since knowing you and you know going through what you went through and everything and seeing the man that you've become and or continuing to be is awesome to see um i I'm mean a little cry. bit about me like oh my gosh your eyes are watering a little i'm gonna bit. cry oh my gosh i, mean, I agree though <laughs> no but it, it's just the truth is 100 percent um a little bit about me uh, my background is in mental health uh, even though i sell car parts now but uh i went to school for psychology graduated from there uh, worked at a dealership for a little bit hated it and then um i actually ended up working as a Jeez, the list is long. I was a, I ran a mentoring program. I did drug and alcohol counseling, and um, I also did a lot of programming in schools down in Delaware County in the airport for 12 years. So you name it, I've seen it. Um, that's how I met my wife. Um, she, you know, she's a, currently a therapist now, and um, we talk a lot about mental health, and you know, we all have our struggles with it. And on top of that, I'm a new dad, so that's that brings up a lot in me right now. Um, my son is. 11 months old. He's about to be one, which is crazy to even think of. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, He's literally like my best friend. I love that kid. What's his name? Xavier. Love that. 
middle name's after me too. Middle name is not after you, Bobby. Calm down. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. His name's James. I love it. James. Yeah, that's my middle name. He did it. How for did me. I not know that? He did it for me. I'm a great friend. He anyway. told me that. He was born. He was like, looks just like Bobby. Just Why? Because he's bald and so are you. <laughs> he actually was born with a full head of hair. So, oh, oh damn it! Yeah, <laughs> that was like crazy. Where he came out with a full head of hair. He looks That's funny. He looks nothing like me. <laughs> no, he does not. God. <laughs> so, that is true. Yeah. So part of the reason uh, Bobby's kind of initial idea of bringing you on the podcast was to talk about life as a new dad. I know I can say specifically as a girl, I have tons of friends who are moms, and then women share on Instagram and blogs and, you know, girls are always talking about motherhood all the time. And it's interesting when Bobby pointed it out, he's like, I want to have, you know, my friend on talking about fatherhood. And I'm like, well, what about it? Like, what is, what is there to talk about? And he's like, exactly. No one talks about it ever. No, they don't. So I guess talk to us about what it's like being a new dad. Um, I tell people being a father is the most exciting, exhausting and terrifying thing you will probably ever do in your life. Um, I remember for us, it took us a while to get pregnant, like seven years. I remember the day he was born. It was, let's rephrase or let's go back to that. Took seven years, seven years. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, had several miscarriages, which is something that people don't talk about either. Um, we went to multiple doctors we ended up going to two different doctors. The second one, luckily we got pregnant pretty much right away. Uh, the first one was just barely giving us what we needed because I think they were trying to push us towards like IVF to get the money. Um, but and you guys didn't have to go through that. No, oh, it's something goodness. I didn't want to do um, from a financial standpoint. It's like fifty thousand dollars, and it's not guaranteed. And, and it's also really hard on the woman's body. It is, and I didn't, I didn't want her to go through that. But luckily, we found a really good doctor um, who was awesome, and I was worried about like you see these stories where people get on these hormones, and all of a sudden they have like ten kids at one time, and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, he's, he saw it in my face because it was like right when COVID started too. So it was like a virtual thing. And he was like, don't worry about that. We, it's not going to happen. And literally like three months later, we were pregnant. Oh, um, awesome. And, you know, obviously the first few months were scary because of our history that we had. And then um, as he progressed, you know, you got to see the progression like through the ultrasounds and everything. And with the technology now, you can pretty much see what they're going to look like before they're even born. It's then, wild. When he was I born, think it's creepy, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. Those 3D ultrasounds, oof, yeah, they freak me out. It's really bizarre because being a parent, there's certain things that happen that when you're single, you look at it, you're like, oh. But now it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And you know, you hear people sometimes are like, oh wow, your kid did this. So what? That's like a normal human thing. But as a parent, you're like, that's the first time that that person's done that ever in their life. Mm. I didn't think like that. That's cool. You know, like when he like started smiling and interacting with you, that was like the first thing, the first time he ever did that. Or, yeah, that was his first smile ever. Exactly. It's like his first smile or like even watching him figure out how to put the pacifier in his mouth without you having to help him because you're watching him, you're watching the brain actually figure it out. And now he just like grabs it. And I mean, as a parent now and parents out there, you'll get it when they could hold their own bottle. That means like if they're in bed with you, you give them the bottle, you can kind of chill out. You're not holding it and trying to stay awake. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which yeah. is probably the most challenging thing, staying awake or we were, staying asleep. I'm honestly, sorry. we were lucky. He's he's a pretty consistent sleeper um, up until now. Like he's teething a lot. We got him in the crib finally. Um, we had him cry it out. But uh, it is like, you know, again, like people – as a parent when you because it's weird because you literally you go from one minute to you and your significant other being pregnant 
to then all of a sudden you're a parent. Mm-hmm. This baby comes out. The hospital's like, hopefully everything's good for you. And they're literally like, here you go. Good luck. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but like my IKEA furniture comes with an instruction manual. This is a kid. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. <laughs> and you're like, okay, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And we got some good advice was don't take parenting advice from anybody. <laughs> and as long as you keep them alive day to day, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was kids were never. It's something for me that was kind of like if it happened, it happened. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the kind of thing where, oh, I need to have kids. Mm-hmm. And when she finally got pregnant and as it progressed, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, what because, the fuck did I get myself into? Yeah, because it's like obviously there's this financial piece but more importantly it's am i i'm responsible for this life and i need to teach this young person how to be the best person they can be and you know the mental health side of stuff is like you're still working through your own stuff mm-hmm. and you know that's a reflection because they are literally mimicking you mm-hmm. like no matter what you do they're mimicking you and as they get older you see that more and more so for me it's like one of my struggles is when things get hard i shut down Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. I don't want him to be like that. So I have to really work on that. What was your mental state when um, you first got pregnant? Like, where do you think you were at? Do you do you think you were pretty sound and like self-aware of your flaws? And this, I mean, I th- I've always struck, uh, you've always struck me as a very self-aware person, knowing yourself and, you know, with your background and everything, um, studying the people around you and like their psychology and, everything that's going on upstairs, where do you think you landed at on, I guess you would say the spectrum of your mental health right before you guys found out you were pregnant? Well, the good thing was I'd already been in therapy for probably three or four years then. Um, And I was still working through a lot of stuff, but it was more of, for me, the biggest thing is when we found out we were pregnant, I was like, if we have another miscarriage, I'm fucking done. You, You were done? Yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I was literally emotionally i just couldn't handle it because it was just just watching the person you love just be constantly disappointed and especially for a woman it's a radically different experience yeah i was gonna say where where was her head at would she have tried again oh 100 percent. she would have i think she would have um i mean i think i'm i'm pretty sure she would have but i know we were like we were getting tired Mm -hmm. um but overall like my mental health was more of i need to get my shit together now while he's in there. Yeah. So when he comes up, I'm not like this mess. While he's in, in the oven. That's what Yeah, exactly. Say. Right. So like for me, it was always, I try, it's, it's, I think we could all understand where we are mentally sometimes. It's just sometimes execution is like the hardest part. So I actually have a question about when she was pregnant and this is going to, I'm, I, I'm worried about myself in this episode because I am one of those females that's like, you have no idea what we go through every single day with our bodies, blah, blah, blah. And I always worry that whenever I do eventually get pregnant that I'm going to have a lot of resentment towards my partner because I'm making a human and you're just chilling there like, let me know when you're done. So what was that like? What Did you guys go through that at all? And like, how did you deal with that? It wasn't did? resentment. It'd be like, I would joke with her around. And she's like, I'm making, I'm making a child. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, why are you so tired? And she's like, I'm making a baby. <laughs> right. Created an eyeball. <laughs> um, I can tell you as a man watching the whole labor process was an eye-opening experience for me. Um, I, w- I was raised by my mom, a uh, single parent, but you know, I had a lot of positive male influence 
But like the first thing I thought about watching my wife in pain and watching the amazing job that she did was anybody who assaults a woman or disrespects a woman should just be like just thrown in the ocean with fucking cinder blocks on their feet. Mm-hmm. After watching that, it's just I mean, I was front row, man. I was like there, like mm-hmm. trying to coach her. The doctors were great. Um, you know, at Bryn Mawr Hospital we went, they were the doctors and the nurses were phenomenal. And when he was born, it was just like that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen anybody do. I've I've had I actually had this conversation shit, was it this weekend? I was I was talking to a girl about something and I was just like, Well, women are substantially better than men. She was like taken back that mm-hmm. I said that and I was like she's like, Why? I was like, Well, to start things off, you guys create fucking life. Like, granted, we have, you know, 50% of the duty. They can't do it by themselves. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like, you guys create life and give birth to life. We can't do that shit. You're better than us. Like, right off the rip, like, we don't exist as humans anymore without you. So that was, like, it was just funny to hear the fact that I feel like I'm the only guy who fucking says that. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, it's, it's, that's not that's not a dad. Put it that yeah. way, because like a lot of dads, I feel like will say that. But like, uh, I'm the furthest thing from a dad right now. No, so. but it's like it's an it's it's an amazing process to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of because you see people like on Instagram and social media, they'll post like when they first get pregnant, they show the progress, right? But then you think about like all the crazy shit that's happening because there's like apps there where we would look every week and like, oh, his eyes are developed, like his hands are developed. And I can tell you, like you, you've met him, Bobby. Like this kid is like, he's smart. He's he's, he's got it all figured out already. And when he talks, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I think the thing was is you're watching him, and he was very very active in the womb, and he's very active outside of the womb. And you're just sitting there, and we're watching TV, and all of a sudden you see like a foot or a hand like come out of like like kind of imprint in her stomach, and it's Ugh. like. That's fucking crazy. I dude. think it's cool. I think it's so cool. It's one of those things though, where like when you're single, when you're not that's having weird. a kid, you're like, man, that's like fucking alien, right? Yeah. <laughs> but as a parent, you're like, oh my god, there they are. Yeah. And, um, but like when, you know, like when he, like when you see that, you're just like, okay, this thing started off as like this little nugget, and it developed into this incredible person, who's mm-hmm. being developed in this incredible person, and yeah, I mean, it's just it was. The most awe-inspiring thing I've ever seen. I want to uh, go back to during um, the pregnancy. Because um, I had spoke to my brother-in-law about this. Um, it was like one of those nights where like you go and hang out with like your sister or mm-hmm. whatever. And you just get hammered. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just have like, you know, heart to heart. And I was talking to him um, in the kitchen. And he was because I think I had mentioned that I wanted to bring you on and, and talk about this. He's like, dude, that's fucking awesome. Because I'll tell you this. Every doctor's appointment, every class or anything that we ever did, he goes, it was always about her. And he's like, I'm not taking anything away from your sister. She's fucking incredible Mm -hmm. for doing what she did. And I'll I'll love her forever for that. And he's like, but I kind of felt like, am I just a fucking sperm donor? Like, what do I do? And he said that they were in this one class at the hospital for something. And they were talking about the woman, talking about this is what you need to do. This is what she needs to do, blah, blah, blah. And he said he raised his hand. He was like, what about me? Like, what? Like you're giving her all this advice. What do, what do I do? And they were like, oh, well, you just have to be there for her. He goes, 
what the fuck does that look like though? Like I'm working full time. Like she, my sister got to work from home. She was working from home even before COVID. So my sister was in a very good position in the sense that she could be pregnant and pretty much work all the way up until a couple of weeks before her pregnancy. You know what I mean? Or before giving birth. And he's like, I'm out here working, you know, this and the other thing, like helping paying these bills, like this and the other thing. And like, yarn helping me like of other things I can do besides just go out and pay bills and like be a sperm donor. And you know what I mean? So like from your, did you have that type of experience? Did you have that type of feeling that you were just kind of like you said there? Uh, I think it was a little bit different for us because we, she got pregnant during COVID. So we didn't do like those classes or anything. We like did this, like my sister did too, but on their second one. So it's a little different, you know, um, we, she signed up for this class that went through like all this stuff. It was like seven hours. I slept through like six of it because <laughs> the only thing I was really concerned about was like the first aid stuff at the end, which was like stuff we had already been trained in and from my previous employment. Um, but I think from the male perspective, I knew from the second she got pregnant, it wasn't about me. Yeah. And, but there's not a lot of avenues if a guy has a question to go to somebody to sit down and talk with them and be like, okay, what is being a good dad? Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you do if, God forbid, something happens to her? Yeah, and, what does that look like? Yeah, what does that look like? Or even they're explaining the birthing process, and you're like, okay, so what do I do? Mm-hmm. And when they say, it's like it's like telling a teenager to go clean their room, right? It's like, okay, so what does that even look like? Because most mm-hmm. teenagers are going to shove everything under the bed. They're going to put it in the closet. But as a man, still a fucking mess, right? You know, so but when they say, "Oh, you just have to be there," but like, what does that even mean? I Mm -hmm. think that's so important. I think that's such a good point. Such a good point. So I think the biggest thing was I we had the conversation. I said, "What do you need?" Mm -hmm. And she had that with your wife. With my wife, yeah, we had the conversation. I was like, "What do you need?" And she was like, "I really want a Wendy's Frosty right now." I was like, "All right, bye." See you know, and as a guy, like you'll see, like some guys, like they start gaining weight is because you start eating what your wife wants. And like I remember sitting in like dad bod, baby. right? Yeah, hundred percent. I remember. I have sitting, one without a baby. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know what you'd be doing. So like, <laughs> I, I just remember sitting in like Wendy's drive-through for like the upteenth time, and I didn't mind doing it. And I was like, I gotta stop eating this shit. But you know, I think just being there is like having that conversation with your with your partner and just saying like, okay, what do you, what do you need? And when she went into labor, it was like, that was like a crazy experience because she got induced and then nothing happened. Mm. Because what they don't tell you is if you ever go into an induction, what they're trying to push more and more of, that shit could take 48 hours. Because people think, oh, these pump you full of drugs and all of a sudden you go into labor. No, because what it is, is the drugs are forcing the the woman's body to do something it's not ready for yet. Mm. So we went through an experience at the hospital where we were like, we were like, we might as well go home because like nothing's happening. And then she literally stood up on her water broke. Mm. Damn it, sit back down. <laughs> so, but like during labor, it was just honestly, it was just encouraging her. Like I was literally like holding her leg and mm-hmm. you know telling her she was doing a great job and you know everything was going to be. And the the rest of the, the rest of the team did everything. I was just there. Can mm-hmm. I ask? And I'm going to try and play devil's advocate here, which is going to go against everything you guys probably know about me because I'm like female empowerment all the way. Do you ever wish? She would have checked in with you and said, what do you need? How are you doing? How are you feeling? What can I do to support you? I actually love that question. Not during labor. 
Not <laughs> no. no, we did. I She's think. like pushing. She's like, Alex, what do you need? You're like, I'd really love a Dr. Pepper right now. <laughs> yeah, you want to be a Frosty? No. Um, She's like, all right, hold on. She like Uber eats it. No, I think um, we, if I remember correctly, we did have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Because she knew that it was like, that was a concern for me. Mm-hmm. Because I, I went through like worst case scenario. Like, you know, there's that... Um, Kevin Hart movie where his unfortunately his wife passes away during labor and I'm like what if something happens to you and I I have this baby by myself or what if something happens to both of you Mm -hmm. so we would check in we would have and that was like the cool thing about COVID was you know we would turn the Netflix off and we would have like these deep conversations to connect and a lot of it was that you know what kind of mom do you want to be what kind of dad do you want to be how do you want to raise them like you know that kind of stuff and she did check in with me often and sometimes like you know, me being me, when I was in my feelings, I'm like, I'm cool. But in my head, I'm like, dude. dude. <laughs> if you could see his eyes right now, they're about, you yeah, know, like, why does Mila Kunis is. Because I'm like, okay, if this kid has my attitude, it's going to be a fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. So far, does he? Yes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so we had problems breastfeeding, or she did. So we went to a lactation consultant who was horrible. Mm-hmm. And he was not interested in eating. And he would latch her a little bit, and he started falling asleep. So she would, like, the lactation consultant would, like, kind of shake him. He'd be like, you have more work to do. And his eyes were closed. And I had this, and Bobby knows, like, I side-eye people. <laughs> and he opened his eyes, and he just goes. And so the lactation consultant, like, turns around. And my wife goes, did you see that? And I was like, yup. He knows. And she goes, she just, like, fucking side-eyed her. Just like you do. And she's like, oh, geez. <laughs> so, yeah. Com- Compton can have a whole conversation with someone without saying a fucking word. You I'm just picking be- up on that. Like, yeah. You could just sit in a room and just like look at him and be like, you hear this bullshit? <laughs> well, like, I, it's funny. When we were doing our intro, fun fact for our listeners, a lot of times we'll do intros in front of our guests, and I could actually feel you wanting to chime in on my questions. I could. Li- I wasn't even looking at you because I, I didn't want to like give it, but I was like, he has something to say. I can tell. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I didn't know like if it was appropriate because I was like, <laughs> like oh, I God. was like, I I can understand. It's not hot girl problems. It's just it's the issues of like being a woman. Yeah. And not wanting to be a bitch. Yeah. And it's funny you even brought that up, Caitlin, because you, Alex just got to experience what our listeners get to do, but you actually eventually got to chime in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know how many times like people hit us up? They're like, dude, when you were talking about this, I wanted to rip through the microphone and be like, guys, this is my opinion about this, but I couldn't do it. So I just yelled in my car. You know, Did whatever. I ever tell you that one of our listeners, I saw him at the bar last weekend, or like, I think it was right before we put out our last episode. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Thursday morning, you guys drop him. We're like, yep. And he's like, can't wait for our conversation on Thursday. He calls our episodes our conversations. Like he's like, can't wait to talk to you and Bobby on Thursday. <laughs> oh my gosh! But that's what it feels like. It's like even even being here, it's weird. Like with the headset on, like hearing your guys like podcast voices, and then like sitting here seeing it. Yeah, it's like it's it's surreal. It's weird. Right? I will also say though, I, I actually have been putting this together, um, and I'm interested to see if you feel this way too, Bobby. I have noticed people who listen to the podcast that I don't really see that often. Um, and then I'd see them out for the first time in a while. They feel like they know me a little more than yes. they actually do, which yeah. is a very bizarre feeling. Very yeah. bizarre feeling. You're famous. 
I'm not famous at all. God help us all if, if this is fame, because <laughs> somebody else can have it. <laughs> no, it is because you guys talk about such like intimate topics like this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, people feel connected to that because there's not a lot of that. Like, you can. It's very easy. Like you know, like you were saying, it's very easy for a mom to go on Instagram and follow like ten people, but for a man, it's like there's nothing really out there. So I guess that's the question I have. Like, what? What advice? I mean, I guess you're still learning every day. It's only been 11 months, right? But as far as parenting, I know you said that you grew up with a single mother, correct? Mm-hmm. So you didn't really necessarily have a father to look up to and ask well, the questions to. Yes so. and no. So I was very lucky that my grandfather, who um, his middle, my son's middle name is, Xavier, is James, who I named him after. That was really important to us. Um, was like my dad. He showed me how to be a man. Uh, my stepfather, who I call my dad now showed me i had a i was very lucky where i had a lot of positive male role models but it's still not the same mm-hmm. yeah and people who 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 are missing a parent like that will get that um i think the biggest thing that i've learned is just accept that you're going to make mistakes um and just have fun you know the and just enjoy it because it goes by really fast it seems like yesterday that he was born mm-hmm. i remember bringing him home and just i would literally just stare at him I would just stare at him. And I could tell you the biggest thing that I learned personally is I never thought I could love something so much. I, that was the biggest thing. And now that he's interacting and you come home from work and you could have a shitty day at work and he's just so excited to see you. And like, that's, that's it. Till he you turns know. 13. He's like, fuck you, dad. And you're <laughs> like, I can't wait. Cause it's like, dude, we're going to, you know, <laughs> You know, it's like try Jesus, not me, because I throw hands. Like I'm ready for that. <laughs> like, I'm ready for that. So, um, you know, so I think the biggest thing that I learned is, as as a as a couple, is checking in, making time for yourselves, um, because the the baby does kind of run the show, and as a man, what one thing that's really not talked about is a little bit of segue here is, everyone talks about like postpartum for women and they talk about postpartum depression, but they never talk about like the anxiety that comes in, like the mom brain, like just a true fogginess where you see people on the news where somebody left their baby in the car or on top of the car. Like that shit happens because like, you're fucking tired. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, as a parent, I'm like, I can easily see why somebody would forget that their kid was in the car because you're just like, you're exhausted and you're just going through it. Um, But the, the biggest thing I learned is just, just give it your all and just be there and be consistent and know that you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Do you think that there's a like quote unquote postpartum for the male? Like if that there's something oh, that. F- yeah. Yeah. What did it, that look like for you? I'm still struggling with it. Okay. Like it was really, it was my thing is like, I didn't want to come on here and get emotional mm-hmm. because I literally just had this conversation last night with my wife mm-hmm. because she talked about with a friend of ours where like, you know, Alex, can't take the compliment that he's a good dad Mm -hmm. because for me is if anything happened to my family i'm done yeah and i don't want i think we all go through it with our parents and i don't want to like be the reason that he goes to therapy (laughs) you know (laughs) what i mean well that's a question i had too actually is like as a self-aware person and i i worry about this all the time for whenever i do eventually have kids um i had a little bit of experience stepmoming with my last relationship and i will say being self-aware in that world is like every single thing I did and said and like 
discipline or, or not disciplining, like complimenting or not complimenting, I was like, okay, well, is this right? Like, is this going to fuck this kid up or is it going to make them better? Like, how, what is the right way? Because I don't want to be the person that makes them, like, like you said, have to go to therapy. Like, what is that like? Um, it's, it's, that's a really, really hard one because it's like, it's really, really scary for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I know that it's going to happen. And I think for me and for my wife, I think it's just, if we make a mistake, just telling them we made a mistake. Just being transparent. It's interesting. Um, because we're not perfect, mm-hmm. and knowing that I, I could do, I can give you a, a prime example, and I think every parent goes through this. There's a period of time where you can literally just put a baby down and they don't move, and then overnight, all of a sudden, they're crawling, or they're moving, they're squirming around, they learn how to roll over. So my wife is a therapist. She works at night. He's in the room. I get up to change my shirt, and he goes head first off the bed. And our bed is probably a little bit shorter than this table. So not that's not that far up off it's, the ground. It's it's far, but it's there's not. a reason why their heads are soft. Yeah, because they all do it. Mm-hmm. I heard the smack, and I ran around the bed and I grabbed him, and he just looked at me and started screaming, to the point where my wife had to stop her session and came in the room, and I immediately went into a space of, I'm horrible. Mm. And she physically saw me go there. Mm-hmm. So she got him to sleep. He was fine. And she literally, for the rest of the night, looked at me. She's like, don't go there. She's like, don't do it. And I was like, I'm not. But I'm like, I'm already there. Yeah. Right. I've been there. Like, I'm not going there. I've been here. I've had a drink. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at rock bottom right now. Do you need anything while I come back? But one of the things was, is like, being able to talk to a friend who was a dad. He's like, oh, yeah, I did that shit. Mm-hmm. It just happens. This is what they do. Um, so there, there's like that aspect of it where it's like you're when you know your fear is like if they're going to get hurt or anything like that. But overall, like it's a very terrifying, but it's also a ton of fun. And I think the best advice I can give a new parent is like do what works for you, and don't let anybody come in your space and tell you how to do your stuff. Because, and what we did was, this is one of the things in life, is when they're young, like, like Xavier is 11 months, and one of the things that we did, like, he doesn't fuss, like, we could, he could be sitting here right now, and he'd probably be asleep because it's past his bedtime, but most people, <laughs> when we take him out in public, you've seen him at the events at work, like, he's just chill. He just analyzes. He's just Yo, he's like, yeah, he's, he's like, like, I'm going to tell you about yourself as soon as I figure out this whole verbal thing. But- <laughs> he, like, looks at you, and he's like... I know what you've done. And you're like, oh, fuck, I'm out of yeah, here, like, bro. Like, <laughs> like, you're like, I don't know doing? how spiritual people are. And I'm not very, but I'm like, this dude's definitely been here before. Yeah. Like, right. He's definitely been here before. But like, he'll look at Bobby and he'll be like, hey, what's up? They'll look at you and he'll be like, hey. That's what he does. <laughs> it's true, though. Babies flirt. They yeah, really he do. does. He does this like thing, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I lost my train of thought there for a second. I'm sorry. but I'll hit you with a question if yeah, that makes it easier. Go for it. Do you think that you're in a more fortunate position um, with the fact that your wife is a therapist, so she understands mental health um, from a, like a uh, full scope, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to someone who is a fucking accountant, you know what I mean? And might not understand the impact of, because um, like, like I said, the whole or underlining foundation of this episode is about men's mental health, you Mm -hmm. know, and then we just happen to have a topic to speak of. But, um, 
do you think, you know, because she's a little bit more in touch with that, do you think you're in a more beneficial position? And what does that look like for someone who's not in a position such as yours? I think knowledge is a double-edged sword. Because that was lot, what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, because people, like, they can read a book and they apply that to everything. And, mm-hmm. like, I could tell you when I was in school for psychology, like, you're reading all these theories and everything, but that doesn't apply to a kid in Chester whose mom's, like, stealing her money because she's a crackhead. Yeah. But there's nothing <laughs> yeah, that right. Freud wrote about that. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think it is because, especially when it comes to his milestones, she already knows what to look for. Like, she's she specializes. She For a long time, she worked with autistic kids. Okay. That was like a fear of mine. My sister does that. Yeah. So, um, you know, for for her, I, I think 100% absolutely. But for, for somebody who doesn't have that knowledge, I don't think it's that much. It's not a disadvantage at all. I think it's like taking the path of least resistance, like acknowledging what the baby wants. And, you know, people are like, oh, the baby's got to eat at this schedule and do this and do that. And it's No, like, I no. mean more so for you. Like how she treats you and... Not how she treats you. I mean, like, I mean, that sounds like I know, bad. I, you get what I'm trying no, to say? No, I get what you're saying. Like, like I, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. Because for me, I'm just kind of like, let things be natural. He's going to do what he wants to do. And she's like, no, it ha- sometimes she's like, it has to be this way. Or this is crucial for his brain development. Mm-hmm. Or this, that, and the other. So um, I think it is an advantage because she understands development, not only of children, but she also understands how adults work. Do you think she tries to, like, overanalyze you sometimes? Like, if you're, like, when he fell off the bed, you know, and she, she saw you go into that place. She probably saw you going to that place because she has experience in dealing with this through her job, as opposed to some other people will be like, you're going in that place and they, they just go, no, it's fine. And you're just like, that's not, you know what I mean? Even though there's nothing really you can do once you get to that place. We've done know? a lot of work on communication. Yeah. So, and when you're with somebody long enough, you know them, mm-hmm. you can see it without mm-hmm. even having to acknowledge it. And we've worked a lot because we communicate in two different ways. Um, she's a talker, and when I get in a tough situation, I'm just like, I'm just gonna shut up. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating for talkers. I can say it firsthand. Yeah, it is. And for me, it's hard because I don't. I literally don't want to get into it because I can't. I'm like flooded. I'm just like I. I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. So, so can I ask how you guys handle that? That you guys have such different coping strategies. For uh, we were. Tough I mean, we were in couples counseling. Oh, really? Good yeah, for we you. did couples counseling because um, it got to a point where like we the communication was just not working. But in regards to like that with him and, you know, to get back to like your question, I think um, I think it is helpful, but it's not like a necessary thing. Yeah, I think a lot of times like when somebody does something like that, just knowing your partner well enough is 98 percent of it um, where her background really comes in is with daycare. So we went through some stuff with daycare where they were trying to tell us what some of the milestones were and like what behaviors were okay and what was that. And, and she said reverse Uno card, bitch. Wrong. Nah, it was like, no, man. She did like the reverse Uno card when you're playing Uno and it's just me and you. She did reverse. She said draw two, draw three, draw four, <laughs> Uno motherfucker. And it's a wild card at the end. Like, <laughs> so, and I, you know, and that was one of the things because what was going on with daycare was they weren't, they weren't, they weren't feeding him because I have a lot of allergies and they took like some of our previous conversations. I don't want to get into it too deep, but basically they were the workers that were throwing around the, the owner's degrees. Mm. And so we finally had our last conversation with them. I was like, look, I said, it's cool that you guys have all these degrees, but so do we. Mm -hmm. So you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. You know, we've worked with all these kids and we've done all this other stuff. Like we know what milestones and how he should be and what she, he should be doing and how he should be doing it. Mm -hmm. 
So that's where it becomes an advantage. And also, too, like, I think where it becomes an advantage is, like, she's taught her mom a lot of stuff. You know, and other people around him a lot of stuff. This is why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. This is why we read these stories in this order. Mm-hmm. This is why I have my routine. This is why she has her routine. Mm. Because I can tell you if he was here right now. And um, there's this uh, there's this book that we read to him every night. It's called Baby Dance. If I started reciting that book, he would turn his head. Anywhere. He would turn, like. like he, he knows that book. Mm-hmm. And that's important for brain development where there's like a lot of, lot of like repetitiveness. Mm-hmm. That's why like little kids, you're like, hey, we've watched like Frozen like 25,000 times because that helps with brain development, helps with like recognition and everything. Like he could be sitting there right there and I can literally just start saying that book. It's like, hush little baby, you know, don't you cry. Da-da-da. And he's like, no. and he knows that's time for bed. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. These are all things you probably learn right before you become a parent or... Right or is it? Something- oh, I mean, she. I mean, my wife is the kind of person like if she doesn't know something, she's gonna order every fucking book on Amazon. Yeah, she's gonna. <laughs> Me too. She's gonna know it inside and out before he even shows up. Right. Uh, I want to interject one thing that I think is interesting. Um, and Bobby, you can I'm sure finish the sentence before I get it, get it out. We have so many different guests on. A lot of them, we talked to them about their relationships. Last guest um, included, and mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. We always look at their scenarios because we're fortunate we have guests who have very very different lives everybody's life looks so different and their experience is so different more often than not they're on this show because they've dealt with something challenging or you know life-altering in a way and I feel like we always ask you know in your relationship how does this how do you guys get through this how do you do x y and z and what do they say every single time the number one thing communication yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah it's so funny I feel like we asked the question like what is it like for you in your situation? Every single person, no matter what, that's it. Yeah, that's all, that's usually always the answer. Mm-hmm. I said it. I say it all the time. I think it's the most important aspect of a relationship. Well, it is, and the one of the most important things of that, and even just being a parent, is knowing what communication looks like for you, mm-hmm. and what it what it looks like for your partner mm-hmm. or anybody you're interacting with, because people communicate in different ways. Like even with him. Like, you know, with Xavier, like, he communicates in a different way than we do. He can't speak. Mm-hmm. So you learn, like, what his cries mean. Yeah. Or is that he, a real thing? A hundred percent. Sounds scary. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> brutal. It's, it's really weird. Like, you, and I'll, I'll tell you a strange thing, too, that happens to you when you have kids. You know, like, when he's doing, like, a fake cry. Yeah. Because, like, my, my home office is right off our kitchen, so she's feeding him, and I'm working. He'll be like, hoo, 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 and I look over, and he's like, ha, how you doing, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> he just wants me to look at him. Yeah. If he's hungry, it's a totally different cry. If he's hurt, it's like Mariah Carey, like, screech. <laughs> so. But one thing that happens is when you have kids, like if you're at Target or something, and you hear a baby cry, you're like, <laughs> you, you, got, you, you cool? You got it? Yeah, you, you know, know what you're doing? Yeah. But also, like, in with my background with working with children, I'm used to watching other people's kids Yeah. for so long that it's just a natural thing for my wife and I, mm-hmm. where, you know, we've we've been out in public and we've seen some a certain thing go down and we're like hey you might want to you might want to get on that sooner than later yeah um i'm gonna ask a question um caitlin's probably gonna get mad at me maybe i'm not sure um because it might and i brought it up to you i prefaced I this with going. you yeah um you know but i have to ask yeah. um because i think not only is it um beneficial uh, i just think it's important to talk about um as far as for our listeners um you guys don't know because we don't shoot video, but Alex is a extremely tall, attractive black man. 
And what does that look like being a father as a black man because of the social stereotypes that come along with that? Does that put added pressure to you on top of the fact that you're also in a biracial relationship as well, too? Because your wife is definitely not black. So, again, I don't want to sound tone deaf, but someone's got to ask the question, right? Yeah. So, what does that look like for you? Uh, first and foremost, I appreciate you asking. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I'm not pissed off by that, by the way. I thought you. I thought you would be like, "Damn, Bobby, why would you do that?" I think that I'll say this, and speak and circling back to Alex's point about growth. When we talked about this a year ago, you worded the question very differently. So, yeah. I think uh, kudos to you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, I will tell just the listeners, like, because obviously there's certain hot topics that are out there now. Um, there's a lot of conversation about race or whatever, uh, you know, just, you know, especially like with sexual identity and everything. And it's like, until you sit down and have a conversation with a person, you just, just listen. Um, it's terrifying for me. Need a minute. No, people need to hear this. Um, for me, my day-to-day is I wake up in the morning, I kiss my wife, my wife is white, and I walk out of the door every morning and I just take a deep breath because I don't know what the world's going to throw at me. And I don't want him to feel that. Um, there are people, and I tell people, like, if you want to know what it feels like to be a minority, even a minority parent, I think the, the most... The, the closest thing that you can ask is um, talk to a woman. Think about what a woman goes through. Every day, a woman is reminded she's a woman. Either through catcalling or your experience that you talked about earlier. You just can't have a conversation with somebody without them asking you out when you're just trying to be friendly. My concern for him is he's half white and half black. Right, he's the cutest thing ever by the way. He is fucking adorable. You haven't seen a picture of him yet. He's adorable. But my biggest thing is like all people are going to see is that my side of him, not his mom's side. Um, I didn't even think about that. It's interesting. I had a friend in college who used to say, why does everyone call me their half black friend? Why can't they call me their half white friend? And I was like, oh, wow. I never never thought about that before. Yeah. Hmm. So it's like, have you ever drank milk before? And like Mm -hmm. something fell in the milk? Like people focus on that small spot in the milk and not realize the rest of the milk is white? Mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is so my fear for him is i don't want him to go through some of the experiences that i've had to go through um i don't want him i want him to have a fair shot and you know people they talk about all these different things that go on and it's like well if you just work hard and you do this you just do that and it's like well you know when it comes to certain groups of people and you know our country is a land of opportunity, but like what it really comes down to the problem is access. Mm-hmm. So and I want him to have as much access as he can, because I can tell you right now and Bobby's seen him and hopefully one day you'll get to meet him. Um, you know, he is a very intelligent young man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try my damnedest to raise him, to be the best man that he can be, to treat everybody with respect, to love everybody. Um, and even in, in my post, when we announced our pregnancy, one of my things, I have two goals for him. 
I want him to love people when it's hard. And I want him to know I'm the coolest motherfucker he's ever going to meet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a Dave Chappelle quote. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think being a black man, having a young black male is, you know, we're the minority of the minority because I'm not in jail. I don't have a lot of kids. Um, you know, I went to college. I've never been in trouble or anything. That, One baby mama. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't fit the, I don't fit the typical stereotype quote unquote that people see. Mm-hmm. And I want him to embrace that. I want him to be proud of who he is and be proud of who his parents are and proud of both sides, heritage and culture. Well, I was actually wondering that when you talked about daycare and you were saying, you know, the daycare owners threw their degrees in your guys' faces. I have part, I, I, Again, I'm. I didn't know if it was appropriate to ask or not. Like they no. see, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know whether your wife was black or white, and I was yeah. wondering, like, okay, it, it, did that have something to do with that? Did you feel like that at the time? No, because like during that conversation, one of the things I said to them is because we're, we're basically talking about food, and I said I want you because they thought that we didn't trust them, and I said we wouldn't drop them off if we didn't trust you, and I said it was very important for him to go to your school because. The and I'm not gonna, I don't want to be disrespectful in any way, but the one of the owners that's a husband and wife, Hmm. I believe she's from Asian descent and he's black. Okay. And I want him to see people who look like him in these powerful positions. Um, We work with our VP of sales is from Trinidad. Awesome. Um, Daryl and he, uh, he's from Trinidad, so he's used to seeing like a black president, a black senator, and all this other stuff or people of color these powerful positions and i want him to know that you know anybody can be in that position but like so can he well again i will say this and this is embarrassing because i just assumed that they were white i didn't even ask i just assumed that they were white yeah (laughs) so my challenge to you is like where's that come from that's embarrassing i'm not gonna lie i apologize yeah i apologize so no but it's but it's a it's a logical question because of the question that I was asked, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? People just automatically assume, oh, they're daycare owners. They probably did it because it was a race thing. And it's like, no, they look like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the husband looks like me. We've had conversations about it. But, I mean, the scariest part is, like, I don't want him to be called out of his name. I don't want him to be discriminated against, you know. And it's a different experience for, for me than it is for, like, my wife in certain instances or even for you. We've had conversations about it. Yeah. So I guess a, a good question for Bobby and I, is there anything that people like us can do to be supportive of that? It's it's so funny because like everyone asks that question and basically what people need to do is shut the fuck up and listen. Don't try to tell somebody about their experience when you don't know about it. It's funny he says that too because when I got the, when I got the job, he knows the old me and he knows the new me, I guess you would say. And he goes, what you're going to do is you're going to start this job. You're going to shut the fuck up and you're going to (laughs) listen and you're going to just figure out the lay of the land and how things work. And you're guess, guess what? You're going to shut the fuck up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's, it's funny because that advice applies to so many different things. Mm -hmm. No, but it is, it's, it's with anything. It's, you know, it's like when a man tries to tell a woman what to do with her body, you don't know what that experience is like. So what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And I can say just from that woman experience, that that point of view, like I struggle a lot whenever, whenever I mean, Bobby and I argue about it all the time on and off air. 
women's experiences. I get so pissed off that I just say stupid shit illogically because I'm like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, just shut up, stop. Like, and, and I end up sounding worse because it just hits such a chord. I'm like, you actually will never know what that's like. And that's, I mean, I, I appreciate your comparison to women. I, I don't, I can't say it's the same, obviously, because I think. Well, it, it is because it's in some ways not like holy, but. I had a, I had a friend of mine who um, who actually gave me some good advice and reminded me to come back to that as being a parent. But he said to me, we went out and we were talking about some stuff. And he goes, what is it like for you to be black? And I said, go home and ask your wife what it's like to be a woman. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, ask her what it's like to be sitting in a meeting at an office and you say something and it's disregarded. And somebody says exactly the same thing and all of a sudden they're an innovator. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Ask what it's like when people just look at you sideways when you walk in a room. You know, like those are experiences or being reminded of what you are. All the microaggressions, you know, were that's it's it's the same stuff. I think um, one I think what people need to do more as well is to put themselves um, in those types of situations where, you know, um, the script is flipped. And they're the minority. I'll never forget. I, I was hit with a wave, um, feeling. Again, I don't know what it's like, cause I don't experience it every day. But for that twenty-five minutes that I walked into this bar down in Philly, I knew. I walked right in with three other white boys, and we were the only white boys there. And it was like out of the movies. The records screeched, and everyone turned and looked, and the music stopped, and they were like, "Fuck." is going on here and i was like okay this might feel like what it feels like being a black person walking into some sort of situation or even even a woman you know i was like whoa uh i definitely feel like you i felt like i was standing in a crowd ass naked you know like why is this guy naked (laughs) you know it's not not even like not even to say that you might have been scared but it was uncomfortable i definitely wasn't scared i'm never scared yeah it was definitely uncomfortable it was uncomfortable right so imagine every room you walk into it's like that I can't even imagine because I've had experiences like that too in Philly, mm-hmm. and you almost like feel bad for being different. But you're like, ah, my bad, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, I wanted to drink some beers at this bar. And I'm like, and so you know, so then you know, and but that's but, the first time it's ever happened to us in our whole lives, and that's but that is your life. Yeah, yeah. it's, 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 it's wild, it's amazing to, to imagine. I'm sorry, it's exhausting, and there's days where I have to come home and I have to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're do you think your son is um how do i want to ask this do you think he's in a better position in a a 2022 to not have to face some of these issues than you were when you were 11 months old no you think he's worse yeah because um social media this is my own personal belief has given people a platform to say whatever they want Mm -hmm. without with any without any like with disregard to other people's feelings. Didn't Mike Tyson just say like, um, Twitter's giving the people, uh, well, I think it was Mike Tyson said like giving the people a platform to say things without getting punched in the fucking mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and it also gives them the illusion that people give a shit what they, what they have to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you though. Um, the, the thing I'm most proud of with Xavier is number one. Um, I have to, I have to say this before I even go there. My wife is an amazing mom. Mm-hmm. She's an amazing woman, an amazing wife, amazing person. Um, she watching her with him just brings me so much joy. But 
what I really am proud of with him is he makes everybody around him smile. Mm-hmm. Total strangers. I mean, there's times I've gone to Target and I'm waiting in line and somebody who works there, an employee will come look at him and he'll just smile and be like, why don't you come to aisle six? I'll open it up for you so you guys can get out of here. And like, I'm like, that's my man. No, but he just does. You got 10% like, off coupons? No, <laughs> like he does. He just brings so much joy to so many people. But if um, he does that, wouldn't you say that that would be that looks a lot different than how old are you again? Forty two. So I will, be, I will look, be forty two. So does not. Wouldn't you say that even just that type of interaction is a, an improvement to forty years ago? I would say yes and no, mm-hmm. because like it's not it's not cool to be mean to a baby. Yeah, I don't think it ever was. No, right? <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe I didn't live for no. I mean, years like ago, it, you know what I mean. Maybe there were really shitty white people out there who were mean to. Honestly, if I was if I wasn't with him, I think most people wouldn't even think that he was mixed. Right now, mm-hmm. I was also the same complexion as him when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, my hair was more curly. Like you could tell, like this wasn't a white kid. Mm-hmm. But um, I think from what you're saying, I think. My fear is somebody takes that innocence away from him. Mm-hmm. Where he has an interaction where he feels like he can't smile at somebody. He can't wave. He can't say hi. That's my fear. And it's a valid fear, I think, too, mm-hmm. which is so sad. Mm-hmm. And as he gets older, it's going to get worse. Just because of... I don't not I don't think people have gotten worse. I just think pe- people were given the platform oh, to, just, to just, like you said, to say shit without repercussion. Yeah. Not that they're not they they mean it or not that they even if it's a joke that is mislanded or anything like that it's just it doesn't matter you can't get sarcasm across Twitter you can't get you know what I mean like you can't get any of this stuff it's so like I don't think people have gotten me maybe they have do they I, don't I know. think so you think so I think for as much good as there is there's just as much bad and the bad is so much louder well I I agree and I disagree I think the problem is the good isn't highlighted enough. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's not like. Oh, it's uh, just like gun laws where everyone wants to get rid of guns, but they'll never talk about the guy who saved the day. You know, law-abiding citizen with one. You know what I mean? They'll they'll never do that. That's like the first topic. Well, yeah, that's the thing too. And I think about it too is like when you see like those shootings and you know when they unfortunately happen, you have people who are like, we need to get rid of guns. You have the pro-gun people, but what the message is lost that there's people who are suffering, especially when kids are involved. When somebody shoots up a school. And I think what the message over here where people are like, you know, the problem is the people, not the guns, is you're, in a way, you're saying that your right to own a weapon is more important than this person's child's life. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding that dynamic and perspective, you can change your message. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe the problem is access. Yeah. Not this. Like, you shouldn't be able to be able to walk out of a mental hospital and go load up. But um, I think for him, like, as he gets older, like, my concern is, like, I've had interactions with people. Um, when I was older, like I could tell you when I used to play basketball in Harrisburg, when we go over across the river, there was a protocol. Like if you were JV playing basketball and the varsity were playing at halftime, you got all the varsity stuff and you got on the bus because you're 13 years old and you're walking through and there's grown ass people calling kids the N words and saying all this spitting on them. You're a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, and the same thing happens to like kids in school who are poor. Oh, you don't have the latest shoes on. Well, I don't have food at my house. Yeah. So instead of you making fun of that person, like, what are you doing to help? Mm-hmm. Where's the compassion? Where's the empathy? Where's the understanding? Where's like the, the conversation about perspective. And I think like the biggest thing that, you know, you asked, what can you do? What you guys can do is continue to have people 
on with different backgrounds mm-hmm. and talk about that. And I will say we've talked about that in the past and we struggle there. And, and in my career previous to this, I had I worked in PR and, you know, a piece that you said about highlighting uh, successful, strong mm-hmm. people of color, it helps kids if they can see someone that looks like them in the classroom or have an education background. And But it's challenging because we're like, okay, well, how do we seek that out without being – without looking like we're only seeking that out? Does that make sense? It's something I've, I've struggled with a lot in my previous role. Like, how do I highlight those people of color and the people of different backgrounds without them feeling like I'm only asking them just because of that? So That's that your own stuff. It, well, no, I, I see, I don't know, because there's those memes out there because um, what is the holiday in June? Um, Juneteenth. Juneteenth, yeah. So every year the memes come out where, because in June, all the big major corporations are, it's, it's all this... Uh, people of color push like all this stuff and it literally like i said these memes come out and they're like you know company hat putting on like oh here comes a holiday gotta pretend like i get actually give a shit you know what i mean and it's like i don't if we want to highlight someone i don't want to get that feeling of like oh well i'm doing this for a publicity stunt so or like have them come on in july yeah well, like, well, yeah. you know, well no, no, I'm not I'm, saying like for us, but no, I'm saying like yeah. just in general. Well, I agree. It definitely is an insecurity of mine because I just don't want to hurt people ever. But no, I also don't want to be that's, tone deaf. That's where the, your compassion comes in. I think the I have this discussion with all the time with people where they're like, well, how do I get involved in this or how do I do this? Well, first of all, you have to go to where they're at. If you're not going to where they're at, how are you going to get them? Good point. And just be honest. Like we have a podcast. Um, One of our... You know, I would love to have you on to tell your story and just be honest and genuine. You know, when when you ask somebody a question, it's all in your tone. Mm-hmm. And if they understand that you're you're trying to seek knowledge and be better or highlight what they're doing, they'll pick up on that. You know, you're not going to like walk up to like a CEO of a company and be like, hey, can you come on my podcast because you're like a black CEO and I'm just trying to fill a quota. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we, like we all deal with that all the time. Yeah, you know, you'll see colleges, local college. I'm not going to name it, but they needed to like, they wanted more diversity, so they recruited for their football team. It was like, come the fuck on, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So, but as a parent, it's I want somebody to, I want him to have the courage to have those hard conversations and to understand and see like where you like if you approached him and he was my age, he'd be like, yeah, I would love to come on. Mm-hmm. Because for anybody, when they get an opportunity, it's like, okay. I can look at, I can give you a prime example. I had to do a presentation when I was doing social work on literally how to talk to black kids. I went to a training on how to talk to black kids. For white people. Just in general, how to talk to like city kids and males, black males, specifically black and Hispanic males. I said, you just say hi and how are you doing? That's all the training needs to be. And I remember I was so angry because I was asked to do it during black history month. I'm the only black dude in the office. Mm. Oh, dude, that would have set me the fuck off. I got so pissed off about it, and I had a conversation with my mom, and she says, you have two choices. You can either be pissed off or you can take the opportunity. So I took the opportunity, and people Mm -hmm. saw me in a different light. Mm -hmm. And how I opened it up is I had a speeding ticket, and I handed it to a white probation officer. And I said, when you get pulled over, what are your goals? She knew she was on the spot. I picked her purposely Mm -hmm. because how she treated our kids. Mm -hmm. And... um, she was like, my goal is to get out of the ticket. I said, you want to know what my goal is? Not to get arrested, not to get shot. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'll be damned with the ticket. Those are two different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So I think like 
what you're saying is if you like again if you just come to the person and you want to talk to them about their experience not that because when you when they talk about their experience this just comes out naturally it doesn't matter what color you are or whatever when you talk about somebody's experience like that's what who they are will come out well i mean i think that this is a perfect example we never even identified this as a topic to touch on in this episode at all and here we are yeah you know it's crazy too um like what I just like watched unfold was we asked you a perspective on your culture and, and your upbringing and all that stuff. And to try and get to try and learn for ourselves when I don't even know if you even just realized that you got a perspective on us too, on what it's like to be two middle-class, you know, white people, trying to figure out how to ask these questions. You, you know, can talk I mean? to you can talk to the majority of any person of color or anything and this is the millionth time somebody's asked that question. And I feel like that has to be exhausting for you. Every it is. Like there's times I could I'll be fully transparent. There are times where I I it's it's crazy. So I started going to therapy. Um I had some heart issues. I was in the hospital and I started going to therapy right before that. So I go in the hospital, I get out of the hospital on like a Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. I had therapy on Saturday. I was like, I'm going. My parents are here. Now my parents are in an interracial relationship, even though he's not my biological dad. He's white, my mom's black. So my mom's like, you know, where are you going? And I'm like, what do I tell my mom? Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I have a doctor's appointment. She's like, going to Saturday? I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to counseling. And I literally walked out the door. I saw the, I saw my mom just like her face drop, and I was like, "We're gonna be late. I gotta go." All she saw was like your foot, the be- like yeah, leaving like, the door. Counseling, like, <laughs> you know? see ya. And um, so my wife comes back. Yeah, like, thanks for the topic. I know what I'm talking yeah, about now. <laughs> so my wife comes back, and um, my mom literally walks over to her and goes, "What's going on with my son?" Mm. So my wife picks me up because I couldn't drive. And um, she goes, your mom is really concerned. She wants to know what's going on. And she goes, I'm going to drop you off. I'm just going to go somewhere. <laughs> so you two can talk. And me and my mom talked for like four hours. Mm-hmm. And I literally told her, I said, I am in therapy because I am a black man and I'm exhausted and I'm angry. Mm-hmm. And she goes, okay, I get it. Mm. And that was that. Now, my parents, I hope they listen. They need to go to therapy. <laughs> everybody parents does. parents need to go yeah, to therapy. Everybody does. But yeah. the biggest thing is, like, when you ask a question, it's take your preconceived notions. And everybody needs to do this. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. And you just put them aside. And you just have that interaction, have that experience. How do you um, – because you had mentioned before that you are trying to raise your son um, to kind of tie this all back in. To raise your son to be the type of person to be open to those conversations, you know, to raise him that way. What, um, what does that look like? What, how, what do you plan on doing to make sure that he understands that and is accepting of it? Um, part of that's just me being me and my wife just being who she is and the people around us. I tell people um, we don't have friends, we have family. Mm-hmm. Our door is always open. Mm-hmm. And oh, I know that. By him seeing that. I've been there. <laughs> no, but by him seeing that mm-hmm. is how he's going to learn. When 
you know, family comes over. My wife has some younger cousins, and every time they come over, we get in, like, these deep conversations. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, you know, people cry, and it's, like, this group therapy session. It doesn't mean to be. And I remember one day they said something. It's, like, every time we come here, we get in these deep conversations. And the next morning I came downstairs, and I said, I figured out why. And they're, like, why? I said, this is the only safe place for you guys to have those conversations. Ooh. And that's what I want for him. It doesn't matter, like, what he comes in that door with. I want him to know that we love him. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's on some off-the-wall shit, like, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm like, you're being a knucklehead, but I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's the way. It's just modeling behavior. It's like with anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm going to show him how I interact with people, how I show compassion to people, um, how I'm blunt. You know how I am. Yeah. Like, I will tell you straight up how it is, but it's coming from a place of love. Um, that's it, man. Like our 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 door is literally open. Yeah, We've I remember had... that one day after work that I thought I got fired. Yeah. From this job? No. Oh. no. From our old job. Old job, and <clears throat> it was just a bad day for pretty much the whole sales team, and we all thought we all got fired. We all got sent home, and I got fired. <laughs> oh yeah, he did. <laughs> and I'm talking yeah. to these dudes like it's gonna be okay. And I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? Because I'm getting married in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, but no, but it is. And like, I remember he, we were like, what the fuck? Just like, as everyone like kind of filtered out, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And I think, I think you made like a group text or something like that. You're like, everyone come to my house, and literally, what like five of us, I think, like yeah, showed up at the house, show. like right after, and we all like sat at his kitchen table and we're like. So what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, you're not like, lying when you say that the door is No, open. so one of the things that's really important for me is the house that we live in was the house I was pretty much raised in. Mm-hmm. My son's room, talk about my coming full circle, my son's room is a room that I grew up in. Oh, that's, that's awesome. cool. And that's like really important to me. And that's how my grandparents were. And I have like some surrogate grandparents too. After my grandparents passed, I was lucky they filled in that role. And you can literally go to their house right now and walk in and whatever's on your mind, they're there to listen. Mm-hmm. Because like, I, my wife and I really want a place of where people feel safe. Mm. And we've had friends stay with us who are going through stuff. And I, I joke, like, you know, we've had some of my wife's friends and it's like our neighbors probably think it's like a halfway house for white girls. So, <laughs> and we're like, we have one neighbor, we're walking and they're like, where's Stephanie? And we're like, she's at home. Like, she's still here. But, um, you know, it's, it's just that. Like when I, when I think about who he I want him to be, I just want him to be somebody who, like I said, who loves people when it's hard. Um, and even though he's going to have these negative experiences in life, just to kind of cherish the good ones. And remember a lot of times when people come at you with stuff, it's their own stuff. It has nothing to do with you. I <laughs> There it is. The speechless moment. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's always one. I, I, what I was going to say, like, closing argument you know what i mean but you kind of hit the nail on the head unless do you have something that you want to kind of like hone in if there's like one thing that you want people to take from this from anything that you've said um, it doesn't have to be parenting or race or anything you know yeah the i have two things so when it comes to being a parent uh, the first thing is just just make sure the communication between you and your significant other is there and just own that you're going to make mistakes and ask for help when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does take a village. I mean, we've had friends come over <laughs> just so we can get laundry done just mm-hmm. to sit with him. 
um i would say as a man it's difficult because we're not always given a lot of space to do it but make sure that you have an outlet that's healthy and somebody to talk to about what you're going through um when we were going through the miscarriages i was i was fortunate i had you know i had daryl at work um i had some other um friends or family at work and you know my parents were supportive and a lot of people were because it's true a lot of people suffer in silence um and just the just as a whole is just people just need to be nice to each other mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to like life is hard the last thing we need is some stranger like all up in our shit man <laughs> who doesn't even know like you know somebody posts some negative stuff on instagram about you and they don't know you just say thank you mm-hmm. because they're taking the time out of their day to worry about you instead of handling their own shit and you know that's 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 kind of it for me just be nice thank you man like you know what i mean i'm trying to figure out to be the nicest i can by thanking you so much for coming on um having this open discussion that isn't easy for any of us to have but here we are and uh thank you for everything outside of this you know i mean yeah it's cool you came on my podcast but um you're a very impactful person on my life on a personal level um i don't think i don't know if you know what scale that is to but it's um it's unfathomable so thank you from a personal level as well too bobby's getting choked up i am this is cool guys thank you i i've I've, it's been a pleasure i I always i know it's shocking when i'm quiet because i never really (laughs) shut the hell up on this thing but those are always my favorite episodes when i just don't have anything to say and i just listen the whole entire time so thank you for for sharing and for giving us a space to be able to talk about things i don't know that we would have had an opportunity to before this so well, thank you for having me. I'm proud of you, Bobby. Oh, thank you. I'm really proud of you, too. You do a good job at everything. <laughs> and I'm that. proud to know you guys. So. Oh, yeah, Caitlin. I guess you, you do did all right. Job, <laughs> you do a good job. Thank yeah, you. you did. Listen, he's calling me Caitlin because of you. Yes, <laughs> that is true. You just need to take that can out of your, your bag. That's a little too much. Oh, the, we're back in the high noon in the first. It's fine. <laughs> I, there is an explanation for that, but well, it's another no. day. Another day. <laughs> also, just really quick, I want to give a shout out to Liv. Oh uh, yes, I, we didn't Always even mention. Always bringing it full circle. <laughs> Liv, I feel like has the most mentions in every single episode. Yeah. Well, um, it doesn't help that she's like a babe and super smart. She's been our most popular guest of all time. So. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Alex is a uh, a really good friend of Liv, which is funny because I didn't know that until we had Liv. I know, on. Yeah. such a strange connection. Yeah, Real. I've known her since she was two. So wild, wild. So shout out to Liv. Yeah, shout out to Liv. Um, on that note, you guys know what to do. Follow the irregular Instagram page at a regular podcast feel free to follow my personal at yo bob e-y-o-o-o underscore b-o-b and follow my personal instagram page at katie underscore a-n-i it's k-a-i-t-y underscore a-n-i alex do you have any social media you want to plug i have an instagram it's the alex compton very easy that's easy you don't normally we have to get people to spell out their stuff but that's about as easy as it gets you know what's funny i just realized right now (laughs) Uh-oh. Both of you guys have the names of my ex-boyfriends. It took oh, me that fuck. long to realize that. Yeah, <laughs> we were upstairs. I was like, I didn't want to mention it. And I was like, that's fucking weird. Oh, <laughs> fuck. oh well, who thought I'd be spending my afternoon with Alex and Bobby? And yeah. on that note, I think we can wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, Alex. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Um, what's it look like for the future? What do you want to do? Another one? In, you want to do two in May? Fuck it. 
yeah, this is, I think we're in a good groove. So uh, as always, we're looking for guests. These past two guests kind of just like came to us. And um, I feel really fortunate to have started the second season with such awesome guests. So we're looking for them. Yeah. We have a couple in the pipeline. But if you're interested, always reach out. And um, if you have already reached out and we haven't gotten back to you, reach out again. It's not because we're not interested. It's probably just because I forgot. Yeah. Caitlin runs the Instagram. So give you an idea. <laughs> <laughs> We will talk to you in a couple weeks. A couple Thursdays, guys. Thank you very much. We love you. Love you.